0: I want us to turn our Bibles to Revelation 21. I want to start there. I don't want to stay there long, but I want us to, as we listen and consider ourselves in in light of God's Word tonight, I want us to first look at an end result, or in this case, a couple of end results. I want us to read in Revelation 21, and I'm going to jump in here. Um, you could start at verse 1, but I'm going to jump in here at, at, verse, at verse 5. It says, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my Son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burns with fire, and brimstone, which is the second death. I want us to note, at the end of our Bibles, there is two very different outcomes for two different groups of people. But we have to note that everybody fits into one of those groups. There are the overcomers and the ones who did not. And I want us to consider that. Now I want us to go back to a very familiar part of Scripture, and I want us to look tonight at the foundation of an overcomer. I want us to go back to Matthew, and I find it interesting that one of the most, maybe the most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus preached in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, He decides to end it and sum up the sermon and conclude the sermon with these verses. Starting in verse 21 of Matthew 7, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, Cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. There again we have two very distinct outcomes. We have those who fell and those who did not. And it's interesting to me that if you think about Those two houses looked exactly the same, they had the same outward appearance, possibly like wheat and tares, how they grow together. And they appear to be the same for a period of time. And then we think about something comes along. In this case, it's described as storms. And that's when you realize whether there's a foundation. Because the only difference in those two groups was their foundation. And if you think about, in our world, in the knowledge we have about structures and buildings, how important a foundation is. We hope tonight this building has a good foundation. We think about when you go to other countries, how if there's an earthquake or, or any, any kind of wind, you see them fall, buildings shift, because they don't have a foundation and you could probably argue that the most important part of any structure is its foundation. I want to tell you tonight that according to these scriptures, it could be that the most important part of our Christian life is our foundation. Because you and I have to decide and consider, could we be growing and building and have built a Christian life, a set of convictions, and a way of living that may not actually have a strong foundation. Because I've been here long enough over all these years that we could fill five churches with the people that are no longer here. And if you look at their lives, it wasn't that they went somewhere else because that was their calling, or they went somewhere else and did better. They fell, and great was the ruin. And so if you think about that, it's reason for us to pause just a moment and consider ourselves. There's nothing wrong with us tonight doing a good foundation inspection. All right. So, the, the, the difference in them was a the foundation and the definition, by definition, foundation is that which provides a base or a basis for something to be established that which provides a base or a basis for something to be established. And on the farm, I know that most of the time, whenever you consider digging fence holes or you're going to build a building, you want to dig down and find a rock. But there's different kinds of rocks. There's a rock that you can dig down and say, there's a rock, we can't go any further. But you could take a bar And you could hit that rock several times and it breaks up. And then you can dig on down. That's called, in the country, a ledge rock. That's a ledge rock. But then there's something called the bedrock. And the bedrock is that which is below all loose, unstable material. By definition, that is a bedrock. And when we think about the message that Jesus was preaching in the Sermon of the Mount about being founded on a rock, I have to think that when we apply that to ourselves, a ledge rock would be a man that would, would take this word and he would find a scripture, and he would take that one scripture and say, "Yep, that's what it means, that's my conviction." And he builds on it. But what happens if? The way he interpreted one scripture does not... It is is not the same in the other parts of the Bible. They contradict. What if it's not confirmed all throughout scripture? What if when you get your concordance out, which has become a regular occurrence for myself, and realize that has actually a different meaning than I thought it did? Because I'm afraid that we can build our Christian beliefs and convictions on ledge rocks. We can open up His Word and quote a particular Scripture, but if we don't really search it and dig it out and make sure it's confirmed in Scripture, we're running the danger of building on a ledge rock. And if we build on a ledge rock, how are we going to stand when the storms come? because what happens the first time a conviction is challenged when adversity hits a conviction or a belief if it's just based on something that I I think it says the house falls I just want us to do a foundation inspection we base convictions our Christian life our way of living the way that we believe we are to live to please God We base our belief in eternity, what God is going to judge and what God is not going to judge or what is pleasing to God. That's our core as Christians, these convictions. But as we have these, I wonder if we have truly searched out to see is that bedrock right there. I can't say that enough because... I'm going to tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, there's storms coming in our life. In our text, it says the storms came, the winds blew. They have already for a lot of people, but they're not going to stop this side of eternity. We have that to know. I want us to turn over to Luke. I want us to look at his account. Luke was a well-educated physician. His writing is, is slightly... Slightly different, but it is all inspired of God. He traveled, not only did he write Luke, but he traveled with Paul some, which I realized, and, and he wrote Acts. But his writing is slightly different, but he has the same account. And I want to pick it up in Luke 6, in verse 46. It says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them I will show you whom he is like He's like a man building a house who dug deep laid a foundation on the rock and when the floods arose the stream beat vehemently against the house and it could not shake for it was founded on the rock But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. I want us to consider three different areas that we take from this scripture as we do a foundation inspection tonight. First thing, as it says in verse 47, he talks about who has the strong foundation. It says, "...whoever comes to me who hears and who does." And the first thing I want to look at is he who comes... Because I am convinced that there are many, many people, possibly some of us that were born in church, or we came to church in a family, or we came to a revival and had an experience, but never truly have been born again. So if one of the requirements of having a strong foundation has to be salvation... And it says right there, "...he who comes to me." So we first have to come to him. I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of people that come and have an experience. Last night I preached at a Pentecostal church in Wadi. And one of the points, I preached on the value of truth. Because if you think about, what is the value of truth? Because if people come into a church, they come to the Lord... And they say, I had this feeling. I had an emotional moment. Well, my Bible says, the truth shall set you free. Not an emotional moment. And if they say, well, I've never been the same after I left. After I went forward and got prayed for. Then they've left out repentance. And Jesus died so that repentance and the remission of sins could be preached to all nations. He says, I am the way, the truth And the life. He who comes to me. You you, you all know that scripture. You all know where that is? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because I'm not sure where it is right now. (laughs) But he also says, in the Bible, he says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Whom the Son does not set free is not free. That has to be something that we focus on. When we say, he who comes to God, must believe that He is. With the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Repentance has to be part of our foundation. If we don't have repentance and forsaking of our sin, then I'm going to say that we do not have a foundation. We must be converted. We must have Jesus place His Spirit into our heart. Come into our heart. If He comes in, we're never the same. How can we live our life as a Christian taking in His Spirit and not being any different? He came, He gave us His Word, and He gave us His Holy Spirit. And He gave us those things for one reason, so that we could have the victory in this life. And if we, don't, if we do not first start with our foundation, you know, we read about, He brought us out of the miry clay, set our feet upon the rock. In Psalms, it talks about the rock of my salvation. Salvation, and I don't want to continue on something that you all know backwards and forwards, but salvation is one of the most important parts of an overcomer's foundation. It could be considered the foundation. But, turn to Hebrews 6, and I want us to look and see that there's more. In Hebrews 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, of doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And in 1 Corinthians it says, There is no other foundation except that which is laid, Jesus Christ. So anytime we are in contact with anybody, each other, our children, we're in other churches, we're out there in the world, we have to be sure that we lay the foundation of repentance and the remission of sin. That has to be first and foremost. I want us to also look, and it says, back to our text in Luke, it says, He who comes to me, and hears my sayings and does them. Let's look at the importance of hearing his sayings. And, you know, when I say that, I believe because I've sat out here for 30 years, I guess, you can lose my attention as a preacher in the first 15, 20 minutes of a sermon. I don't want to do that tonight. There are some important, important parts and aspects of our life that we're talking about tonight. When I say, he who hears these sayings, that's part of the ingredients of our foundation in Luke. I don't want us just to say, well, that doesn't apply to me, because I hear, I'm part of a church that preaches the word. Hearing's not necessarily, it's not just a sermon twice a week. It's about a man sitting down, quietly opening his Bible and praying for the Holy Spirit to direct him and guide him in truth. And as he opens up his word and he says, Show me and allow me to hear. It's listening to his voice, praying and not only just telling him what we need, but then pausing and listening to hear. We have to be able to not only be in a church that preaches the word, but we have to be able to seek for ourselves. We have to be able to... How many times have we heard, don't believe it because I say it, believe it because the Word says it. We can't tune out at this point because we have to ask ourselves, are we hearing the Word and the importance of it? We talk about being a church of faith. If faith is taking God at His Word, how do you take God at His Word if you don't really know it? How do you take God at His Word if you're unsure of it we're back to being on ledge rock at that point the importance of hearing his word to know the truth it sets us free we're no longer bound that's hearing it's not common folks and it's becoming less common you can go to churches and hear a lot of words but that doesn't necessarily mean it's truth and who seeks the lord nowadays Who do we know that we say that person truly seeks the Lord? Because I tell you, we are caught in in our society that is speeding up so quickly that there's not a lot of time from when you wake up in the morning till you go to bed. And it's going quicker and quicker. If you don't believe it, think back 20 years ago when there was no cell phones and think about what that would be like today. Throw your cell phone down and see how you could function. Our whole society would come to a halt. Everything's speeding up. Who seeks the Lord? It's not that common. Who seeks it? A lot of opinions are being preached. Secondly, a responsibility, not only the importance of hearing, a responsibility to seek, to diligently hearken, and to study, and to rightly divide the word of truth. We have that. We've heard that our whole life. But I'm asking, are we still doing it as a church and as individuals, as families? Because I tell you, it takes work. It takes getting your shovel out and digging into the Word of God. How many times have we heard the illustration? A man begins to dig, and he digs for truth. He opens his Bible, and he seeks, and he searches, because there's something in his life, that he does not understand what the will of God is. And I guarantee you, everybody here, if you think about it, this week has had something in your life you were unsure about what God's will was or what your conviction was. So you begin to dig. And you not only begin to dig, but you begin to work and you're determined at it. And you go down to find this rock. How many times did... Our former pastor talked about digging till you dink. Because that dink implies you found it. But how do you find it if we don't dig? I'm telling you, we're in trouble because I believe we've quit digging. I believe as a church and as myself, we can quit digging and just exist sitting in a church that we believe we're hearing all we need to hear. But there's never a time this side of eternity that we quit digging. That we quit looking at what is my foundation? What am I actually believing? So we not only find the truth, but then we have to expose it, and we have to be able to see it clearly, because how do you build upon something if you just think that's bedrock? You have to know it. And it is confirmed. Scripture confirms itself. You begin to search it and know. We dig until we dink. We continue to dig... Until we are secure and sure that that is what God says to me. And at that point, that's what we build on right there. That is the importance of hearing the truth. And as we do that, we have to avoid the trap of just trying to let somebody else figure it out. Because if you came in here tonight and you just want a preacher to tell you what the truth is... The Catholic Church is on the other side of town, and the priest will tell you there. That's not the way that God designed it to be. We are to seek and to diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord all the days of our life. To seek, to work, to work, to dig, to find it, to find truth. We have to do that because, like I said earlier, it's not a matter of whether or not storms are coming. It's a matter of when they're coming. Because they really are, folks. Things are not just going to get easier for a Christian. We've been hearing that for weeks here. Things are not going to be... They are probably easier now than they will ever be. Right now. We're not dealing with any great storm as far as collectively as a group. But we're going to. And if we don't know our foundation if it's just what mom and dad said and what we've always heard and what we think we've stuck in pasted scriptures along the way, we're in big trouble. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3. In verse 13, it says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And then the very familiar scriptures about the holy the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. But if you go over to verse 4, or chapter 4, it says, in verse 3, says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. I want us to consider the fact that the importance of us searching for truth as we do our foundation inspection and to see are we really grounded on the Word of God in all of these areas. And it's a great thing to do with your wife, with your husband, with your friends, because the more you do that, the more you expose, is this bedrock or is this ledge rock? And all of this is for each other's benefit as we fellowship. Back to our text in Luke. It says, Not only he who comes, but he who hears my sayings and does them. I want us to look at being a doer of his sayings. Because as we look down through there, you see the second outcome of the man in 49, But he who heard and did nothing that was a difference in that man's foundation. Because they both came, they both built, and they both heard. But one did, and one did not. So as we look at our foundation, we need to consider, are we doing? Let's look at familiar scripture of being a doer of the word, in James 1. And let's look at this and consider our ways tonight. James 1... Verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. I don't know about you, but growing up and hearing this scripture over and over, I knew this scripture. But I always considered it to be someone, a doer of the word, is like a missionary. Somebody who goes and, or a preacher, or somebody else. A doer of the word. We're talking about in Matthew 7 and in Luke 6, is one who hears these sayings of mine. That's what Jesus said. And does them. That's the doer that I'm talking about when we talk about our foundation. Because we can hear these sayings. But it doesn't mean we're a doer. And if we're not a doer, then that means our foundation is flawed. And if our foundation's flawed, then how do we expect to stand? There were people that were just as knowledgeable as the most knowledgeable person here that have fallen. Five churches full. So many that were friends of ours that came and went that i knew their children we grew up for a short amount of time together we we had relationships with them and then something comes along and i'm not saying it isn't a big deal storms are a big deal but they fail they heard but they didn't do so what would make us me and you think that we can be in 2015 in this small church confessing we're on our way to heaven and we're going to stand and we'll go through and we're going to make it if we begin to forget to be doers of his things because we can't just be hearers folks we cannot so as we look at this there's a couple points I want to point out a mirror as it says Anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, and goes away, and immediately forgets the kind of man he was. A mirror flat tells you the truth. When you look in a mirror, you are receiving truth. There's no doubt about it. You are, you have become the receiver of truth. And that is 100% sure. But it says here, it says, He observes himself, his natural face in a mirror, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. There is a danger of us forgetting. And it says in verse 22 that we can be deceived. To me, it's a warning for myself and for my family and friends around me that we have a challenge of not being deceived by forgetting to be a doer. We have that, and I don't want to continue to pound on the same point, but I think it's that important. And we in our minds can can kind of, we can kind of shove that aside and say, well, I am a doer. But I promise you, this week you're going to be challenged as to whether or not you're a doer. Something's going to come up. Because I think it is that simple, yet it is profound as we think about in verse 20, Five. It says, "For he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. To continue is to go on in some action, to persist or to endure. And I want to encourage us all to endure, to persist, to continue on and not forget. I want us to think about that because." If we are a doer of the word, we will bear fruit. Because, just like last night, talking about the value of truth. Truth is something that when you hear it, then you have an opportunity to understand it by the Holy Spirit. And when you understand it, you can apply it. And when you apply it to your life, you're changed. And when you change, you bear fruit. If you don't hear it, you can't understand it. And if you don't understand it, you can't apply it. That's the importance of the Holy Spirit. We have to be able to understand. We have to be able to be guided in all truth. And then when we apply it, then we can bear fruit. We're changed. So, I think it is, as we look at our our text, I think, at least for myself, I'll speak for myself, I think it is... My very future, I think it is the most important thing that I have is to be grounded in the Word of God, to search Scripture, to know Scripture, to desire, to, feel, to see the entire meaning of Scripture. I want to know God's Word. It is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I, it, I don't like to hear words that are thrown out a lot, but to, be hung, to hunger and thirst, to desire it to desire to know truth and to be able to go in knowing that He placed His Spirit within us to guide us in truth. I think it's our future. I think it's my future. I think it's this church's future. I think it is the future of SCA that we search and know and understand the Word of God. I think that is it. Because I'm going to tell you, everything else is going to take care of itself. We talk about building a new building. I think in the days to come, we'll have to have a new building. Because the more darkness comes and the more we pursue the light, our lives are going to be so different that when these people over here in darkness look across here and say, they have something that we need. Our neighbors, our friends, the people that we have constantly been in contact all these years that right now say, you know, they're different. But as time goes on and darkness takes over, our entire society, the gap is going to widen. Those that are of the light are going to be here, and darkness is going this way. Like never before, I believe our society is doing that. It is on a spiral and those of us that are searching the Word and knowing truth are going to be affected in a way that we're going to stand out. And we are truly going to... The meaning of being a light is going to take on real meaning. That goes for every single family and individual that is here. We go out in all these different directions and we have an influence on all these different people. I mean, it. I'm talking about the people at the post office, at the restaurants, the feed man the people that work for you, everybody is going to say, they have something different. Look at how bad we're going, but look at where they're going. And they're going to come and they're going to say, what is that? Tell me the meaning of the hope that's within you. And I'm believing that God is going to reach down and have mercy on a lot of people that we've been witnessing to, believing for, trying to be a light to. In the days to come, they will not all be lost. And I believe that is going to force us into a bigger building and growth for Shelbyville Christian Assembly. It is going to start with us uncovering truth in searching for truth in desiring truth in our lives that will shed light on all the people around us. That is what I believe. So as we look at in our text, it talks about he who comes, hears, and does. And there's another aspect. It doesn't have anything to do with the foundation, but it is the truth about the days to come. I want to talk about the storms. Because we consider storms to be, our first reaction would probably be like a trial. We consider it to be all sickness. And I'm going to tell you, sickness and pain is a real storm. I would caution everybody here who has experienced in your Christian life a little 20 and 30 mile an hour wind, maybe a hard rain. I would caution you from judging a brother who's just went through a hurricane. Because until you've been there, how do you even know what you're saying? And when a, when a brother or sister goes through a severe storm. Those of us that have not, it's not a time to point out something about that person or I wonder why or this or that. It's a time for you to get your shovel back out and decide where your foundation lies because I'm going to tell you we never know when it's going to be us that has to deal with a storm like that. Turn to First Peter 1 and I want us to look at what we would consider, at least traditionally or historically, to be storms. 1 Peter 1 and verse 6. It says, well, I'll pick it up in verse 5. It says, who are kept by the power of God through through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We have always considered the fact that trials not only are common, but they are necessary for our Christian life that there be trials that would try our faith. That's something that, is, that we have all grown up knowing. And we consider trials to be, like I said, maybe a sickness or a, or a teenager or a child that, that, that we're believing for. Or it could be money. Well, we're in a trial. We're in a financial trial. Or it could be some kind of persecution from outside. But tonight, I want us to look at a different kind of storm, a storm that I believe has all of the power and the force from the outside looking at it coming, that is going to really shake the foundations of Christians, and it's going to be very difficult to stand, and I want to tell you, it is our changing society the changes in our society because one of the most difficult things to do when a person is living amongst like-minded people in a society is to realize when it changes course because everybody is doing the same thing and whenever we consider ourselves as Christians we have to ask ourselves have we entered into this flow that our society is into? and is beginning to go down. That storm is brewing. I believe it's going to be a real test of our foundations. I'm going to read to you in Matthew a very familiar scripture, but I want us to consider this. In Matthew 24, in verse 11, it says, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold but he who endures to the end shall be saved. The interesting part of this, as we read that, we always considered it to be, well, that's our society. That's our world around us. But it's interesting that that word lawlessness is the exact same word. If you do a word study on it, it is the exact same word that is our beginning text in Matthew 7. It says, And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So if the lawlessness will abound, and then it says here, the people that said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he said, depart from me, you who practice this same lawlessness, tells me that the lawlessness in our society can come in to the church. Because, Right there proves that a person can believe that he is on the right track. In all outward appearances, he is doing well, yet he practices lawlessness. And Jesus said, I, would never, I I'll never, I, I never knew you. I never knew you. So I want us to consider, as we think about the storm coming, will lawlessness enter in and mix into the church. Lawlessness, iniquity, unrighteousness would mix into Christianity. And I'm going to tell you, it already has. And as we look at it, it's being accepted. And as John preached about, compromise. We're beginning, our churches and our spiritual leaders are compromising and accepting things into the churches that would not have been dreamed of just a generation ago. It's mixing into the churches. And as we say, I can't believe that, we have to first say, well, what about ourselves? Can it get into SCA? Can we become a church that just drifts along and we go with society? Let me ask you a question. As we think about the change in our society, I want you to consider in your own life experiences you've had over the last year. What about the people around you, what they believe to be right and wrong? Does that sometimes shock you? What about in our schools? The things that go on in our schools. What about, very simply, the disrespect to the teachers? The disrespect for anything. Or all of the other lawlessness, you could say, that is abounding in our schools. What about how the way people are becoming self-centered? Everybody's offended. You can't do anything because you may offend somebody. That's because our society is becoming inward thinking, self-centered. Everybody has their own constitution. What about stress? stress in our society unlike ever before. The Bible says that men's heart will fail them from fear. I don't think that's because all of a sudden they go outside and it's the day of the Lord and the mountains falling and everybody falls out with a heart attack. I think it's because of stress. Of stress. Because the faster our world turns, the more we feel this stress. And as we think about that things are turning that way, we have to ask ourselves, are we being influenced? We think about the work ethic of not only ourselves, but the next generation. You can ask anybody that has their own business and they can tell you it's hard to find good help. Something is changing in our society. There's a lack of respect. There's a lack of drive. Our mind, Babies aren't born any different today than they were a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago. They're still born without any preconceived notion. But what's happening? What about technology? What are we filling our minds with? What, are, what is the world filling their minds with that we have to be sure to guard against? Because If this is headed towards a life of lawlessness apart from God, then how can we guard against that? And see, as soon as you start pointing out particular things, everybody draws a line right there in the sand and says, I don't believe that. That's just his opinion. So therefore, I won't say anything about it. Judge for yourself. Look in the mirror. It'll tell you the truth. It'll tell you whether you're a doer of his sayings or not. I believe it's the job of whoever stands here to search the Scripture, and if there's a warning in it, then say it. And we've got to look in the mirror and say, what about my life right now is being affected by a society that is in a downward spiral? Because I do not believe we can ever be a light, ever be a witness, ever be the church that SCA was supposed to be if we don't draw a hard line and say this is the truth and this is where i'm going to take my foundation at no matter what because if we don't have this foundation the storm that's coming will take us out and it's going to be our changing society we will not stand with for that storm we will have all kinds of reasons but we will not i want us to think about tonight are we already affected? Have we suffered some storm damage as families and individuals? I want us to think about, and it says in Luke, it says these sayings, these sayings, and it's interesting to me that he says that after the Sermon on the Mount. That's how he concluded his sermon. If anybody that comes to me and hears these sayings, and does them. So then you would have to say, well, at the end of a sermon, why don't we see what that sermon said? And obviously, we don't have three months of Wednesday nights to go through the Sermon on the Mount, but maybe we should. Because these sayings, if they're so important that it is decisive whether or not I stand or fall, whether I do these sayings, it seems I would need to know what those were. I want us to think about, and we know them all already. I want us to think about whether we are suffering storm damage. The first one, it says in Matthew 6, it says, I'm going to read it to you. Matthew 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And then, to make sure that we're not taking something and building upon a ledge, let's go over to Philippians 4. And Philippians 4 just confirms that, and it says, Be anxious, in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God. Listen to this verse 7. In light of our changing society, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. That's getting down on bedrock. And listen what I'm going to tell you what the devil's going to tell you when you hear that. Well, my situation is unique. Because if you can sit here tonight and say, well, he doesn't understand that. Because that is, a, that is a tactic of the devil, to tell you your situation is unique. Do you think you're the only one that has, that has run a business, that has too many customers and not enough time, that has month at the end of the check, or that has serious things happen to children in your life, or in your, something happened in your marriage or you're getting ready to lose something. You haven't reinvented the wheel. But if the devil can tell you that you are unique, then all of a sudden you have reason to be anxious. You have reason to worry about tomorrow. There's nothing new under the sun. Someone told me the other day in passing, they were kind of talking about something, a little worked up, and they said, well, I know you wouldn't understand that. You just tell somebody to go do something. And I thought, We don't really know each other. We really don't. There could be things going on in each other's lives that are heavy. And the devil would love to consume us with being anxious and worrying. And I'm going to tell you that we have to get to bedrock. Because if if our life is consumed with stress and worry, then we are suffering storm damage from a changing society. Our society has changed, and the storm is brewing, and our house is getting shook. And we've got to check our foundation. Amen? Another thing is, whenever we see these sayings of His, and it says, let your light so shine before men, having a testimony, being an example, society says, you have to fit in, because if you don't fit in, you are offensive. If you stand up for a particular thing, there is a group that will fight you. So therefore, hey, keep this easy. Fit in. You don't have to be different. That is the winds of our changing society. And if we realize that after a while, we are fitting in, with those that are in darkness. It doesn't have to mean that we are partaking in, in some sort of sin. But if we fit in and we're no longer different, we're no longer a light, then we have suffered storm damage for our changing society. What about how we forgive each other? We're going to be wrong. If you weren't wrong this week, probably next week. It's part of life. And a lot of times, it involves brothers and sisters. So what about when it says, forgive? Does that mean we put them on probation? Does that mean that we have our reasons why that won't work? See, if we're living this way, you all see, this is so clear to me. If we begin to stray from His sayings... We're suffering storm damage. We're not grounded. I'm not saying that we're going to have difficult. This is part of the Christian life. This is adversity. This is what we're dealing with. When we come to the Lord, we are dealing with an adversary, the devil. And he's going to try to make us unstable in every chance he gets. What about the saying, if you look upon a woman or a man, Let me tell you, our society has changed to the point where if you want to lust and you want to have a peek at pornography, you probably have it in your pocket or in your iPhone. And it's right there handy and it's available to everybody in here, including you young guys. I can't say And tell your parents not to give you an iPhone, even though I would like to. But you've got choices to make. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're sneaking a peek, and you're looking, and you're involved in it, all you young guys, and all you old guys, all of us, then we're suffering storm damage from a change in society. Because if he said, do not look upon a woman to lust after her, then that means, do not take your eyeballs and look upon a woman to lust after, period. That's bedrock. And if we don't realize that, and we allow ourselves, you're building your entire life on the sand, because you do not have a foundation in that area. Do not take your eyeballs and look upon a woman to lust after. Do not. That is his saying. Do not do it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. We say, well, we have reasons. We can say yes a lot but change our minds. That's constant. We constantly have to fight that. Because if he said, let your yes be yes and your no, no, but we are constantly saying, well, uh, I'm not going to be able to stick to, to that this time around. We're suffering storm damage. That foundation is on the sand. And we can't do that. What about gossip? What about sowing discord? We can't. See, I can remember as a young person, Dad probably preached against gossip almost as much as anything. He saw it as a big problem in the Christian in the Christian world. And he would always say Y'all are on your phone too much. Well, that, our changing society, left those little phones with wires on them that somebody might answer and gossip way behind because now everybody is in touch and it can be in print. But if you push the send button, you said it. If you push send, you said it. And the thing I've always thought about, sowing discord. It said God hates it. Him who sows discord. And if it had just said a little bit different and said, he who sows discord on purpose, everything would have been okay. Because I believe a lot of people truly do not intend to sow discord. But when you take something that you read and you interpret it and you pass it on and you talk about a brother or a sister and before long, you have been in the middle of this chain that sowed discord, then you have done what God hates. Whether you intended to Or not. Discord was sown. And God hates it. We have to guard against our changing society that has all this information about each other. All of these things about all the goings on. How's that for English, mama? Homeschool English. All the going ons. And we have to be able to look at that and say, am I being involved in something that is gossip or in discord. That has to be something that we guard against, or we are suffering storm damage. What about love for the brethren and being committed to this church or wherever church you go to? Commitment is waning. You can ask anybody that is in the, in the management or overseeing of a lot of different churches And they say attendance is dropping off quickly. Old churches are dying out. Are we being affected by that? Do we also gain this independence, this lack of need, just lack of saying, I am going to be committed to this church? Because I'm going to tell you, our society says you do not need to be committed to anything. You are a law to yourself. You are independent. You do not need to be here. That is what our society is going to say. And if we all agree, oh, I do need to be here. But do you need to be here as much as you used to? Think back five, six, eight, ten years ago. Whatever it was that brought you here, this need, is it still there? Or is it faded? Is it being affected by our society? What's happening? Because I'm going to tell you, if we don't draw a hard line, we're just going to drift into the crowd and we're going to become like everybody else in our society. I want to challenge everybody here to consider, have you suffered storm damage when you think about your need to be involved in a church? And if you say, I'm not sure about that, then the beauty of that is you get your Bible out and you begin to dig until you dink. And when you find the rock, you uncover it. And you find more scriptures that exposes it And all of a sudden, you say, you know what? For my life, this is what I believe because God said it. And if God said it, that's for me and my family. So when we think about commitment, we think about any of these things, we have to find it. And that is part of being here week in and week out is to be challenged to search for the truth Then to search the Scriptures. What about sickness? Sickness is the same sickness that went on 20 30 40 50 years ago have we changed do we think of when we come to the lord and we think about his promises do we consider it to be part of well i'll just take as little as i need to get by or do we take it as what we need for warfare because I'm going to tell you, that's one of the biggest storms, and I'm not downplaying it. It may be the biggest storm that we, anybody here has ever faced. And it's something that every person has to stand on his own foundation. He has to be grounded in the Word. But I want to caution you that our society is taking us away from spiritual warfare. It takes us away from standing on the Word of God. It's taken us away. We have to fight against that. What about the things in our life that we fill our minds with? y'all still in here all right the things <laughs> I kind of enjoy preaching up here with you all the The things of our life that we are filling our minds with because like never before we have we We have so much to think about. And if we need anything else, we can check our phone. And we can go through our favorites. And then when we get home, we can turn through 250 channels if you have a television. See, I grew up in the days when it was called the trashy vision. And it was was all about... If you have a trashy vision, you are being influenced by the things that come across it. Well, the reason that was undermined years ago is because you could filter what comes across. See, back in the old days, they had four channels. And nobody wanted to get off the couch to turn down the commercials. So the idea was, you're being filled with some kind of trash, therefore you have a trashy vision. you all remember that? Okay. But here's the snare. Because now, we can filter that. We can record something, fast forward, we can rewind. We can do anything we want to. We can have good, wholesome, educational entertainment to put in our minds. But the danger is, it can also consume our time. It's no different than anything else that becomes something that we spend all of our time doing. It's just like sports. If you try to remember who won between two different teams two years ago, I bet you you cannot. In moderation, I don't think there's anything wrong with being entertained by a sporting event. But when our minds are consumed with it, then the devil can sit back and say, he's been affected. We got him. Because he's got all this information. So flooded with information. It could be information about other people. It could be this this idea of social media. It has its place. People are in touch now with each other that never know the needs of each other and, and can keep in touch. But if it fills our minds from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed, and our minds are so full of things, then how in the world do we seek the Lord and to dedicate ourselves to diligently hearkening to truth? How do we do it? Because it's not that any of these particular things are wrong, but all of them together can be our ruin. They can ruin us. And if we look up at the end of a phase of our life and we think man I don't have the same thoughts in the same closeness that I had with the Lord just a short amount of time back it's not because you've lost your mind it's because you filled it with something else we still have the same ability to ponder and to think and to meditate on the word of God in the things of the Lord we still have the capacity to do that but when we come down to the choice of filling our minds with something else we have suffered storm damage by our changing society and I'm going to tell you we're going to have to take drastic measures because I can say that tonight and you can walk back out that door and burn another five years just like that so I challenge you What are we filling our minds with? And what about seeking the Lord? Just like I was saying. Who seeks the Lord anymore? Who does? The fact that we can sit here and listen to Scripture and ideas, things that can convict us and walk out the door and never give it any more thought is a sign that we have suffered serious storm damage regardless of who is speaking, regardless of any of the events in our lives, any of the situations that we consider to be unique tonight, if we can hear God's Word and we can become convicted and walk out of here and forget it, then we're being affected. Storm damage. So tonight, as I begin to close, I want us to consider another side I want us to consider the fact that we're all still here I want us to evaluate as we look at our foundation the fact that we're still standing no matter what storm has come through our life we are still standing you still believe on the Lord You still have a conscience. Your conscience bears witness. You desire his presence. These are not things that are common and happen with someone that has fallen. This is someone who is standing. We have stones of remembrance, trials, things that he's brought us through. We have a testimony. You don't have a testimony if you've fallen. So as we think about that, we are still standing because God has kept us and He is still on His throne and He is still in control of every day and every situation that we have in our life right now. God is in control of that. And as I think about as a church, the illustration of putting our hands to the plow it doesn't say, if you pause, instead if you look back. So if anybody here feels like my life has paused, my spiritual life has paused, that doesn't mean you've let go of the plow, folks. The fact that you're still here and standing means that you can say, let's go, giddy up, and the plow takes off again. We still have our hands to the plow and we still have work to be done. I don't want us to ever consider the fact that things have gotten to the point that we have no hope. We're the only ones in this world that have hope because we have Jesus Christ and He is still on His throne. We're the only people in this world that can say that. Not, on, not our church, but I'm talking about born-again Christian people, God's people. I want to tell you four reasons that we can stand. I'm going to tell you four. Because in Matthew 28, He said, He would never leave us or forsake us, even to the end of the age, and that includes 2015 and beyond. He will never leave us or forsake us. Second, in Revelation, it says... He said, strengthen that which remains, which means that you can strengthen that which remains. Because as we look at the foundation of our life, we may have had suffered storm damage, may have shifted at some point, but that doesn't mean we can't strengthen that which remains. And if we have the knowledge that we can strengthen that which remains, then that means that we can still stand and we can still become strong and we can, for, we can fix whatever foundation trouble we may have. It can be fixed because we can strengthen that which remains. Thirdly is that there is no temptation or trial that has taken you but such as is common to man and God is faithful. The word temptation, if you look at the definition, means adversity, experience, putting to proof so there is no adversity there is no experience there is no putting to proof that can overtake you but that which is common to man and God is faithful and will make a way of escape that is the reason that we can stand in the storms that are coming in our life because no adversity no experience no putting to proof is more than we can handle and that's a promise So that is a third reason that we can stand. And fourth, I'm going to read it to you in Jude. And it's a common scripture, but think about this. Jude verse 24. Our fourth reason is that he is able. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory... With exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion, power, both now and forevermore. I want us to consider tonight the foundation of the overcomer. Because as we go back to our text, or at our beginning verse, turn over to Revelation 21. In verse 6 says, He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he will be my son. Folks, we're still standing. We have time to check our foundations. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity that we have to be here and to come in here and believe your Holy Spirit will speak to us through your word, that it will guide us into truth. God, I pray for this church that you would allow us this time to be grounded, even more so in your truth than ever before, that you would... Convict and prompt every single person here to seek you and to hear from you and to be a doer that at the end of the life of this church and us as individuals we would give glory and honor to you with a life well lived we thank you for it we pray to you in the name of Jesus Amen